So today, we continue in a series that we have been in um, called Overwhelmed But Overcoming. And um, I don't know about you, but I have felt tired lately, um, even exhausted. People are back to the grind, I feel like. Like life is in full swing, schools, homecoming pictures of kids that haven't had homecoming in a year or two, or how many ever it's been. Um, People are working harder, I feel like. Maybe that's because of inflation, or at least you're worried about inflation and the cost of living. And on top of that, concern and family and friend relationships and all those things, there's the never-ending buzz and comparison of social media. And what all that can do is put us into kind of a frenzy of life and busyness in which we become exhausted, become tired. A professor named Dr. Watson at the University of Washington said, we live in a 24-hour society. Our economy is constantly churning. We have media at our fingertips all day and all night. I call it the caffeine industrial complex. I think that's true. Just ongoing, constantly churning. And it becomes exhausting. How are we supposed to handle exhaustion? What are we supposed to do to recover from it? Well, there's many things that we could say about this. And there's some very practical things, some of which you've probably heard and are familiar with. Things like having a healthy diet and getting enough sleep is important. It really is important. You should do that. Uh, Not having a phone next to your bed and the blue light from phones or TVs right before bed sometimes disrupts people's sleep patterns and rhythms. Moderate exercise is helpful, not just for physical fitness, but for your emotional health and well-being. Getting time alone to yourself for some personal space and personal reflection and recuperation is important. And while all those things are important and should be uh, paid attention to, addressing uh, physical exhaustion is not the end of the story because that doesn't even touch the emotional and spiritual exhaustion that we can face as well. So I guess the question for us today is, can we, can we find help? Can we find rest from that kind of exhaustion, that kind of emotional and spiritual exhaustion? I think we find some clues to that in the Bible, specifically today in Psalm 62. So if you would, follow along with me as I read from Psalm 62. Here's the, the word of God. This is a psalm of David from the, uh, the choir master. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. The power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. 
Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word this morning and that you will use the word, your word, to penetrate us, to shape our lives. Help us to walk in your ways and to trust and rest in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably saw verse 3, and we can put that slide up there, which uh, highlights verse 3 for us, and it says, How long? How long? You can, ask, you can use those words in different ways. How long will you be doing that? And if you say that way, you're asking about when. When will this end? But I don't think that's how this is being used here. It's how long? Like, why isn't it ending? It's a crying out of desperation of how much longer it's going to go on. How long, oh God, how long? And while it might imply the when, it is mostly the cry of desperation. And here David feels this as he writes this song. And so what we want to look at today is we're going to look at some sources of exhaustion and then some of the solution for exhaustion. So the first main point today, I'll give you this slide, you can put that up, is some sources of exhaustion. And the first source of exhaustion we see here in this text is from other people who wear you down. And it tells us that in verses 3 and 4. It talks about it like pushing over a toppling wall. David's saying, I am so worn down, I feel like a wall, a stone wall that's marking a boundary, right? That's just teetering. The rocks are starting to slide, and people are up there just like kicking it, like knocking it over, and he's like just trying to knock me down. That's what he feels like. He feels like he's not going to be able to stay up, like he's not going to be able to continue, and he feels weak, and others are trying to take advantage of him. You might feel that way, feel weak, like you're being taken advantage of. And that might come in all kinds of ways. Look at verse 4. Let's put that verse on the screen. Notice what it talks about, about how people are lying. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths and inwardly they curse. So in other words, they're saying nice things, sort of, you know, maybe to your face, but inwardly they're cursing you. But then they might also take pleasure in falsehood and spread lies about you or slander. This is the way David feels. Like people are just talking about him. Like this is what's going on. That's a, in some ways, that becomes a form of abuse, a verbal abuse that goes on and on in a repeated barrage of lies, exaggerations, gaslighting, and manipulation. It's not healthy. It's not helpful. It's a way that we feel exhausted, battered, knocked down. Might come from a sibling who is always reminding you that he or she is better than you. Might come from Marital conflict, or in the midst of a divorce, or from a conflict with a coworker. The attacks, the verbal attacks that are thrown at you like darts. And you feel like, I'm just exhausted. I'm getting knocked down again and again and again. It might take a form of physical abuse that knocks you down and intimidates you or throws things, if a spouse is throwing things or breaking things to intimidate you. It could take the form of sexual abuse where power is hold, held over you as a threat to either engage in the behavior that is desired or to not tell anybody after it's happened. Sexual abuse is prevalent, usually towards women, but not always. Some statistics show that one in four women have faced sexual abuse. 
whether it's verbal words, whether it's physical abuse or sexual, all those things are more than exhausting. They're knocking you down. They're forms of power to control you. And that's a heavy weight, a heavy exhaustion. Many of us feel exhaustion that may not come from that either. It's, it's a simpler form of exhaustion, let's say. An exhaustion that comes from competing with others to get the promotion at work, from making the team or getting the right grade or getting in the school that you want to. In all these friendlier cases, let's say, right, where we, they're known things that we do, it still can be tiring and exhausting. And so people will try to wear you down. And then the other thing we'll do is you will get uh, another source of exhaustion is self-promotion or self-protection. And it talks about this in verses 7 to 9. And in this sense, what's happening is you are, and let's look at verse 7 actually and show you what it says here. In verse 7, he says, On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Now, he's saying, on God rests my salvation and my glory, okay? Which is important to understand. But while he's saying that, the fact that he's saying that is he's having to remind himself, this is where I stand. This is where my security is. My glory is in God. But see, what he's saying is he's being lied about and attacked like a wall falling over. And what he knows is that his temptation is, is to say, my glory is in me and my name. And so one of the things that can be happening that we can do is we promote ourselves in our name to try to make ourselves feel good, to, to promote our own glory. And what he's saying is, no, my glory is in God. But see, the temptation is to glory in yourself. And so you will get exhausted from self-promotion, glorying in your name. The word glory here, or honor, it might say in the NIV, comes from a word that means weighty or heavy. And so to have glory or honor is to have something of substance, something weighty, something significant, something heavy in that way, right? But what's interesting is in verse 9, it tells us that when people are put on the scales of balance, where you're using weight, right, to trying to compare to your name. How much weight do I have? It says those of low estate are but a breath. High estate, a delusion. And the balance as they go up, they're together lighter than a breath. What, the, what he's doing in poetic form is saying, glory and weightiness and substance for my name and my honor is important. But what he's saying is, those who are worrying about this, it's like breathless. You're just gone. There's no weight to it. It's a vapor. And he's saying, of course, glory has to be found in God. But the temptation is to glory in our own name, promoting ourselves. And what he's saying is when you do that, in the end, you put yourself on the scales and it, it doesn't hold. It's like a breath. It's weightless. It doesn't have any substance to it. The question that he's asking, I guess, there, that we should be asking is when is enough enough? When is enough self-promotion, enough glory, enough honor for yourself, enough? When will it be enough so that you feel like you have weight and not just being empty? Of course, his answer to that is, which we'll come to later, is to find that in God. What does this look like in life? There's a, 
This is an old movie now, an old movie called Chariots of Fire. Uh, it was about a British track team in the 1924 Olympics. And Eric Little was a Scotsman running, known as the Flying Scotsman. He is, his specialty was the 100 meter. And his main competitor in it was an Englishman, Harold Abrams. And they were competitors going after that 100 meter, meter title. And um, in these Olympics, they put the, the, the race for the 100 meters on a Sunday and Eric Little was convicted that he should not compete on a Sunday. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to run. So what he does instead is enters the 400, which he hadn't trained for, and wins the gold medal. Leaving Harold Abrams to run the 100 without his main competitor. And Abrams is in the training room before, like with his trainers massaging his legs and everything, getting ready to run. And he's talking, reflecting to his trainer. And he says these words. He says, I'm always in pursuit, yet I don't know what I'm chasing. I've labored for all this, and for what? I'll raise my eyes, and I'll look down that corridor, four feet wide, with only ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? I've known the fear of losing but now I'm almost too frightened to win. You see, what is he saying? He's saying, if I win, then it's over. What do I have left? That's, I put everything in getting this glory, this honor, and this name for myself. What will I do then? He's saying that has become the organizing thing for his whole life. His whole existence is organized around that status, that success, that glory, that honor. And what he is telling his trainer is, I'm restless. There's no rest for my soul in this. If I lose, I'm not going to be happy. And if I win, I'm not sure I'm going to be happy either. Why? Because the simple answer to this, from the biblical perspective, is that you and I were not designed to promote our own glory. We are designed to promote the glory of God. And when we do that, we end up finding rest in the midst of exhaustion for our souls, and having weightiness that is connected to God's honor and God's glory. So if you fail to do that, life will be exhausting. You will never know if you're enough. Am I enough? Is my name enough? Is my glory enough? Is the thing I'm chasing enough? Will that satisfy? Is it enough? And God's answer throughout the Bible is, I'm the one that is enough. Don't chase after the other idols. Don't chase after the other things. I'm enough. Promoting and protecting yourself in that way, your name is not helpful for you. The other way that it talks about it here is you might work on self-promotion or self-protection by trying to acquire enough money to make you feel good, right? This is in verse 10. We could put verse 10 on the screen for me if you'll do that. It says, put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them, right? So he's warning about money too. He's saying, look, easy come, easy go. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. But if you set your heart on them, it's not going to satisfy you. We, we think if we have money, we'll, everything will be at peace, life will be stress-free, and it won't be exhausting anymore. You need, I, I probably should remind you, and you need me to hear, hear that I need you to hear me say this. Money's not evil. It's not. The Bible never says money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. 
because it leads to all kinds of things that way with greed and pride. Money is not evil. It's simply something we need in order to exist. It's our bartering system using currency, right, in order to acquire goods and services that we need to go on and carry life. It's not a bad thing. But if it becomes the thing you need when you, in life and it becomes attacked or insecure, what will it do? Will you become a teetering wall that will fall over and like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I have no hope. I'm exhausted. Because you've identified yourself in the money, not in God. The quest for money can lead you to steal, as this verse is saying, right? To extort others. Could lead you to do that. You might, well, no, it won't. I'm just, and you won't do that. And maybe you'll just chase after it incessantly in your work, doing everything you can to acquire and hoping that once you get it, everything will be good. But in doing so, you're ignoring other things in life and other parts of life are falling apart. And you don't have balance in life in that way. There's plenty of people with a lot of money who are still exhausted. Money will not alleviate your exhaustion. Because exhaustion isn't simply about pace. It's also about emotional health and spiritual health. We're warned that riches come and go, but don't set your heart on them. That's what he's saying is if you put your heart on that, it'll become breathless. It'll become like a vapor going away. You and I, we're never static in life, right? We're, we're dynamic. We're people. We're learning or we're not learning. We're engaging or we're not. We're growing. We're becoming. We're always becoming. We're ever learning and, and adapting to things, changing in different ways. We're always becoming. Are you becoming more generous, more generous or more greedy? What are you becoming related to money? More generous or more greedy? You're always becoming. I think this is one of the things that he's pushing on and saying, what are you aiming after there? Let me move on um, as, it's, as there's many more things we could say about this in exhaustion, but let's move to the solution here. The solution is to find rest in God alone. So this is the second point um, of the sermon here. You should notice this. I'm not going to go back and show you all this, but if you have your Bible open, you can look. The word alone or only occurs in verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. In God alone. The whole point is, in God alone is where my rest is going to come. In God alone is where I'm going to find hope against the exhaustion I face in life. It's the only place to find rest for the weariness of life. And a very important thing to notice in this too is that it doesn't come instantly but that there's a progression for it. At least the way the psalmist is talking about it. So I want us to compare verses 1 and 2 to verses 5 and 6. So will you put verses 1 and 2 on the screen here? He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my glory and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken, noticing that he's saying, Okay, life can shake you, it does, but I I shouldn't be greatly shaken. And my soul waits in silence. But notice what happens in verses 5 and 6. In verses 5 and 6, it now says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. It's different. What's different about it? 
It's not descriptive of what his soul is doing. It's imperative. It's a command telling himself, look, self, soul, wait. Wait on God. Wait. And notice how it finishes then saying, and I shall not be shaken. Not greatly shaken. I shall not be shaken. Just notice the progression of what he's saying. Knows of what is descriptive and what should be and what, what is to being commanding himself. This is what I must do when I face exhaustion, when I feel like a wall that's being knocked down. How do I go about dealing with that and handling that? One of the things he does is we would say he preaches the gospel to himself. That might be language you've heard. He's preaching the Bible to himself. He's saying, this is what I know. I must wait. And I will find hope. I won't be shaken because God will be my rest. That's what he's confident in. Verse 8 also speaks of his confidence saying, he's confident enough then to tell the people to trust in God at all times. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. So you see throughout this psalm, like his status of how he's feeling overwhelmed, a wall being knocking down, But growing in that, going, no, what I've got to do is I've got to wait on God. In fact, everybody, we must do this. All people put your trust in him. Because this is the hope that we have. God becomes greater, and his confidence is in God as his fortress. He also talks about rest. Um, in the NIV, it says that, he, that to find rest. But in the ESV, it says wait in silence. Those are pretty different t- translations. Why? Find rest, wait in silence. Like, those don't even sound alike. What is... They're trying to translate words there that are trying to communicate what is happening. And waiting in silence, when you're in a frenzied pace of exhaustion, is doing what? Finding rest. To slow down. To say, okay, this is not what is going to be exhausting to me. I will find rest by waiting in silence on God. And so what he's doing is he is waiting in silence. We may think, but, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to wait in silence and be quiet. Well, that's not exactly what he's happening either, right? Because he just told everybody to trust in God. And, and he uh, cries out to God. In verse 8, it says that, right? Doesn't he, isn't that what his command is? Trust in him at all times, though people pour out your heart before him? Tell him what's going on? Cry out to him? Waiting in silence, then, doesn't mean you have to be silent. It means you're waiting and listening for the reply of God. You're listening to see where he guides you in Scripture, what he's directing you in life. You're pouring out your heart, talking and saying, Okay, God. Give answers, direct me, guide me, point me to what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Listening to him, to believe and trust in him. I want to take you to one more verse that's not in Psalm 62, and it's Matthew 11. Uh, So let's put that on the screen. This is Jesus' words to his disciples, and he says, Come to me. These words, by the way, are over that door when you walk into the sanctuary. If you walk through that center door, this is what's over your head. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a lot in here, and I'm not going to preach in depth on this verse right now, but I want to make two points. The first is this. If you are a bit skeptical 
or cynical about Christianity and you're just not sure. Notice what Jesus is doing right here in relationship to Psalm 62, which Jesus would have known and been taught growing up. Remember in Psalm 62, verses 1, 2, 5, and 6, where do you find rest? In God alone. In God alone can you find rest. In God alone, in God alone. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is coming and he is saying, I am God and I am the one that is giving you rest. If you're skeptical or cynical, recognize who Jesus is claiming to be. It is in the person of Jesus that God is revealing himself to us saying, I'm here for you in the midst of your exhaustion in life, in the midst of your anxiety, your fear, your shame, your worry, I'm here. And I am what you need to find rest. And the second thing I want you to see is to find rest in Jesus. Right? This is the Sunday school answer about the Bible. Well, what is this? Jesus! Jesus! I mean, in so many ways that's true. The answer to everything is Jesus. And the answer to your and the pathway to overcome exhaustion is to find rest in Jesus. It's critical because exhaustion happens all kinds of ways. When you're attacked by slander of others. When it's your inner voice of shame that is condemning you. The solution is overcoming by trusting in Jesus. Not only for heaven someday, but for today, right now, trusting in Jesus. And when you wait before God in silence to find rest, it means you are trusting in Jesus. What does that look like? It means you don't rely on your own strength. God is your fortress, your protection. Paul wrote that when he was weak, then he would be strong by God's grace that was sufficient for him. When he felt weak, he could say, I will be strong in God's grace. Not in my own strength, but in God's grace, I'll be strong. It means God's your provider rather than focusing on money as your only provider. You're trusting God with your life and your work and your money. And you're saying, God, okay, I choose to become generous instead of greedy hoarding all my money. Because it's not my money to start with. You provide everything that we have in life. It also looks like this, that you trust God to be your lawyer. Yeah, he's the one defending you. When you're being attacked by lies and by slander, accused by the enemy, the evil one. You trust God to be your lawyer defending you against the accusations of others. You don't have to defend your reputation because Jesus defends you. When the devil accuses you and points his finger at you and all your failures, you just point to Jesus. Say, he's my advocate. He's my attorney. Take it up with him. Martin Luther, who was the Protestant reformer, That's what he did when the devil accused him. When he was accused and feeling burdened in life, he wrote this. If you tell me, speaking of the devil, if you tell me that I'm a poor sinner, I, on the one hand, can tell you that Christ dies for sinners and is their intercessor. To him I direct you. You may accuse and condemn him, but let me rest in peace. For on his shoulders, not on mine, lie all my sins and the sins of the world. You see, Christian, exhaustion is going to happen. The question is, where are you going to find rest? And what the psalmist is telling you, what Jesus is telling you, is the only place you're really going to find that rest 
is when you turn your eyes to Jesus and you look upon him. That's where you're going to find that rest. Trust in him, not just for heaven someday, but today, now, for daily life. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be people who can trust in you, who will trust in you. Spirit of God, work in us, empower us to believe, to give us hope in the face of exhaustion, to find rest for our weary souls. And so, Lord, would you do that in the midst of all the things we face in life? We ask in your name. Amen.